From Melicity and the Center for Partnership Studies, I'm Kaya Tingley, and this is One Wheel, One World. Have you ever started to evolve yourself and then you found out that everything was turning into a bigger mess than it was before? Well, today I talk with Heather Ashamara about how to stay connected with your partner while you are evolving a more healthy and better version of yourself in the midst of your full life. I think we all want to cultivate this sense of a smooth, sustainable flow of energy through our lives, and we cast about for the different ways in which we can do this. We might realize that we need to take better care of ourselves, or maybe we need to upgrade our competencies and learn how to be a better partner, a better parent, a better person, Not because we're trying to be good in and of itself, but because we want our experience to be one of somebody who lives in the flow and is enjoying their experience as a human being. Heather Ashamara is a teacher, author, and a proponent of the fact that we all have this wellspring of joy and creativity within ourselves, no matter what our situation is. And the key to Finding this flow for ourselves is to learn how to step into the authentic way of being ourselves in a world that's telling us that we have to play all these roles. I asked her, how do you step into the process of becoming your authentic self? And this is what she had to say. I will stay with myself on this journey however long it takes to get to find out who I really am, what my truth is, what my expression is. And so you're stepping in with yourself for the long haul. You also know it's going to be messy sometimes. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. It's full of some real raw truths about love, life, and happiness. So without further ado, here's Heather Ash. Heather Ash Amara, my teacher, my friend, it is so good to see you. You're so happy to be here. Yay! You are all over the place right now, teaching so many people in the world with your work. I'm very excited to dig into some of my questions for you because I could use your help. (laughs) Always happy to help, for sure. This is a good thing. (laughs) So briefly, I know that you're working with the warrior goddess method and your warrior goddess teachings. You're talking about being brave and liberating your inner voice determining your sense of worth and really sticking with that and becoming bigger in the world so that you can have a brighter light. These are all things that I learned from you when I studied with you at the Toltec Center. And I know you've expanded on these. And the first thing I want to ask you about is, what is the ignition of your inner revolution? And what does liberating your true voice mean to you? Mm. It's really about coming back in relationship with our authentic self, that so many of us have created this image of perfection of who we think we're supposed to be. And we tend to create this whole composite vision of ourself that's based on who we think other people want us to be, who we think we're supposed to be. And I see that as it lives like next to us. And we're walking around with this image of who we think we're supposed to be. And so we're constantly comparing ourselves to the image. I don't know anything about that as a mother. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So true. And and yeah, exactly. We take on these roles that we don't even realize we're doing. 
but just I've seen this so many women that become mothers or that take on businesses or that go into partnership and suddenly, you know, six months, a year in, they're like, I don't even know who I like, who am I? How am I navigating this? Because they've gotten caught in a role versus their authentic expression of it. And the truth is being your authentic expression is challenging because it is a revolution because you're walking into the mystery constantly. The, the truth is that image of perfection or who we think we're supposed to be is easy because it's laid out for you and you just follow it. But it's not easy because you suffer and because you're not really yourself and because usually we end up being resentful or losing all our energy or procrastinating. We, we cause suffering for ourselves and for others. So while it's challenging to step back into your authentic self because there is that unknown and there is that learning how to be in a new way, it's so rewarding because everything inside of you starts to shift and there's a peace that comes in. There's a settledness. There's a calm that I've seen myself and I've seen other women that I work with start to settle into over time. I think I've been a student of yours for a very long time. I've been a student of your work for a very long time. Your books have taught me so much. And I think from time to time, I catch a whiff of what my authentic self is. <laughs> but the process of stepping into your authentic self, can you describe a little bit more about that? How does that unfold? How do you begin to discover who you are and how do you step away from the role you've created for yourself and back into who you are on the inside? It's about recognizing that one, it always starts with making commitment to yourself, to coming back home to yourself. Because I feel like, especially for women, we've tended to abandon ourselves, pleasing other people or thinking this is the way we should be or comparing ourselves to other women. And so that commitment of, I will stay with myself on this journey, however long it takes to get to find out who I really am, what my truth is, what my expression is. And so you're stepping in with yourself for the long haul. You also know it's going to be messy sometimes. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be scary. Yay! And that it's that willingness to go through the discomfort that is what brings you to the authenticity over time. It doesn't just happen all at once. I mean, we wish like, boom, I'm just going to step and be authentic. But it's, it takes time to, un to unweave a lot of what we've learned. Because really, it's not that we're learning to be authentic. We're actually learning how to not be inauthentic. We're shedding what's not us. Because your authentic self's already there. It hasn't gone anywhere. So what happens when you've perhaps stepped into motherhood You've stepped into partnership and you've stepped into business, sometimes all at once. <laughs> yes. And say you're sitting in a relationship six, seven, 10 years in, and you begin to liberate your inner voice and suddenly the people around you don't seem to hear you. They don't know how to receive that. How can you, I don't know how to ask this question, staying with yourself for the long haul, how do you know if you're going in the right direction or if this Thing that you're unweaving is, is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Am I getting more authentic or am I just crashing everything down around me? And I know that you have to break down old stories to make room for new ones, but sometimes it feels like that liberation is a train wreck. Mm, yeah. yeah. How do you, how do you work in community, in family and partnership specifically? How do you work within your partnership 
to stay connected while you're liberating your inner voice? It's such a big navigation because there is the, the dynamic of us in relationship with ourselves, which would be much easier up on a mountaintop, we always say, right? But most of us are in relationship, we're in families, we're in partnership in some way. And so there's other people that are part of our circle that we have to also bring into account and learn how to navigate. And so I think one of the ways to do that is to get really clear. I always start with what's my intent in this relationship at this time. And sometimes we go into partnership for one reason, but over time we grow and change. And so we need to constantly come back to what's my intent now, both for you, for you, what's your intent with your family and what's your intent with your partnership and what's your intent in your relationship with yourself? What do you mean? What's my intent? Can you give me an example? Yeah, I think about your intent is what your focus is, where you're, where you want to put your energy and I always encourage people to bring it down into one word so it's simple. So it's really simple. So your intent might be in your relationship with yourself might be to tell the truth. Your intent in your partnership might be to create more harmony. I'm just making stuff up, right? And your intent in your family might be to have fun. Okay, so your intents can be incredibly different between all your relationships. It also may be that you have one intent, like your intent is to love, and that is your intent in your relationship with yourself, with your partner, with your family. So then once you know where you're going, what you're doing then is setting your North Star. And every time you have an interaction then, let's say with your partner, then you, you keep going back to what's my intent? Where am I wanting to put my energy? Boom. And then you refocus that. What it helps you to do is then choose how you're going to respond. Because now instead of kind of just floating around trying to figure out how you should be, you're really clear about what you're learning how to do. Doesn't mean you can do it. Just because you said it. In bed, right? So, so I'll give you a short example from my yes. own life. I've, so I've been getting clear on my intent. I've been working on setting clear and, and gently stated boundaries. And oh, it has, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. So I feel like I've started re-nurturing myself. I've started taking better care of myself. I have more energy now because I've come back from, you know, the brink of not being able to sleep at night, having my hormones out. So now I'm getting my energy back. And as I go to set my boundaries, I'm a little frenetic. I'm a little hard. I'm a little awkward. And so then the response to that boundary setting is, oh, you can't do that. And I say, well, yes, I can. And the whole thing devolves from there. So yeah. how do you take it through the middle of this race? How do you pace yourself? How do you um, stay in a loving situation with somebody who's getting more and more frustrated with you the more you change into who you really are? Yeah, there's always an awkward transition point, always, where what has worked before you start changing and especially when you're in relationship, it starts to get chaotic or messy because part of it's because you're not comfortable making the boundaries yet because mm -hmm. it's new. And so when we're not comfortable making boundaries, for example, we either make them too softly and expect people to read them or we go really hard. We go the opposite direction. Here's my boundary. <laughs> or both right? at once. Or both at once. Yeah, exactly. Here's my boundary, but I didn't tell you this part. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. And so what I would do is when you're, when you're not heated, this is what I always recommend to people is that when you're navigating a change in a relationship to, to sit down with your person outside of the, the trigger where you're both not triggered and to say, and maybe even write a letter. So you're really clear and to say, I know this has been hard and I it's messy and here's how it feels messy for me. And here's what I'm trying to do. And can we work together? I want to be on the same side with you. And I, and you know, you might say, and I know sometimes I go adversarial if that's what's happening, or you can say, sometimes I know I'm getting passive and I'm not meaning to. So you just be vulnerable about where you're struggling and then come up with guidelines around how you can support each other. So you do this out of trigger. If you're triggered, you can't have a clear conversation. One of you has to not be triggered in order to resolve it. If you're both triggered, I always tell people walk away, like make the agreement to just not argue if you're both triggered because nothing's going to get resolved. It just doesn't. But so you can make that agreement too. If we both get triggered, let's make the agreement that one of us says peach. And we know that means we're going to stop the argument, walk away for a little bit. We'll come back, but you have a code word. And it can be the same thing around boundaries that you can make it a game. Like what word are we going to use when it starts getting wonky so that we know to get quiet and go back into stillness and re-engage again. How is it that you can navigate with each other when it does get hard? And where are the places? And you might just pick one area to start with that you work on rather than everything. Right. So I haven't been able to find that not triggered space where, where I can be untriggered and I gently approach my partner and the trigger's right back. Right back. Yeah. Right back over and over again. And, you know, I have a wonderful partner. I really, uh, my husband is, he's an evolving being just like I am, but he's also a lot younger than me. And he's, you know, he's approaching it from a masculine point of view. And he, um, he has his own stuff that he is working on, should be working on. I see stuff that he could be working on. I see you know, patterns from his family, right? You know, his upbringing, I see patterns from my own upbringing. And Mm -hmm, I try mm -hmm. and just observe those things because those aren't my things to change. Yes. Yeah. But yet in the interaction, I still run into them all the time. Yeah. So I don't think that when you say be a warrior goddess, you mean come out swinging. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I was talking with Dr. Rianne Eisler actually about interviewing you. And she's like, well, I don't know about that warrior goddess thing because warriors seem like they're in the domination mindset. And I know you, and I know that that's not the case, but as a martial artist, I also know that the warrior is the person who fights the battle within. Yeah, exactly. And for me, the warrior, the qualities of warrior that I'm inviting women to really start to embody is clarity, focus, commitment. Those are the strengths of the warrior. And we need those. And I really feel that's why so many women have been drawn to warrior goddess, Mm -hmm. because there's that sense of, we need the balance. And that for all of us, that balance is different. So it isn't, I'm going to be 50% warrior and 50% goddess, and then I've got it. It's really, some of us are more warrior oriented. Some of us are more goddess oriented. What's our mix? And there's always excess. So there's excess of warrior, which is what we see in the culture now, which is a power over dominating patriarchal culture that we're unwinding right now. Mm -hmm. And so there is some, you know, I've talked to many women that are like, I don't like the word warrior. It scares me. It's because we're out of balance in the warrior. 
So does that mean we pretend, you know, like we throw that out? It means no, let's claim it and get it back into balance inside of ourselves so we can bring it back into balance in the world. And same kind of thing with the goddess energy. The goddess energy is about receptivity, open, opening creativity. And you can also be out of balance in the goddess. So people that have an excess of goddess energy, they're flaky, they don't finish things, they often are just all over the place. So yeah, we have to bring both of them together. So we have the right mix of, of warrior and goddess. And, and that's something to play with also in your relations that it may be like you're coming out too strongly warrior, perhaps, because you're just making your, your boundaries for the first time. Um, I don't know. I'm again, everybody gets to navigate for them for themselves. Or you might find you're, you're like, bouncing back and forth between the two, like now I'm too warrior. Oh, now I'm too goddess. And, and to find a sense of humor, that's the biggest piece of big change. And especially when you're bumping heads with somebody else is, can you find your sense of humor around it and know that you'll figure it out? It may just take some time. And to keep looking deeper at what, what's triggering you. What's the trigger? Is it that you're not being listened to? Is it that he can't see you? Is it that or all of the above? Or that you're not being received the, the way that you want to be received? There's a deeper wounding. So anytime, I see this with myself, I see this with other people, anytime I'm having a reaction to something that's big where I'm getting triggered quickly, I know it's not about the situation. Mm-hmm. There's something deeper that wants to be brought up to be resolved. That's from my childhood. Right, right. And and I I very strongly use the the four agreements in these situations where I recognize sometimes where I'm like, oh, this isn't personal. That I recognize what's coming at me is not about me actually. It's actually an old pattern that's being unwound on the other side of the conversation. Yes. And so, you know, sometimes I can keep my ground with that and sometimes I can't. The interesting thing is, I'm sure like a lot of women who are out there in the world, a lot of women who might be listening to this podcast, heck, a lot of people that might be listening to this podcast, <laughs> you know, the economy has shifted. People are working in technology. Um, my husband, he works in physical intelligence. His his work is, he's doing something called body intelligence training. And we've always been very attracted to each other because we have similar patterns of moving out into the world. And there's this sense of we weren't in the mainstream. We had begun the transition into the new story together a long time ago. And now we have two children. And we're like, well, where are we going to put them in school? Should we send them to public school? Should we try and homeschool them? You know, there's two little beings that need to be watched all the time. And because we've sort of been on this lightweight financial mindset our our whole lives, we don't have the the money resources right now to support the transition into the place where we have the money resources to create the thing that we're envisioning. And I know a lot of people are shaking their heads as they listen to this because you, you don't want to compromise. You want to eat well. You want to exercise. You want to have a good relationship. You want to spend time together. And in the pursuit of creating this nurturing environment for our children, we're diving deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole of what are we doing together? And then the trigger comes on top of that. And 
the whole thing just becomes, hey, guess what? I'm going to interview you for my podcast and ask you all these questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is the universe helping me right there. I mean, yes. my goodness. Yeah. And they relate to so many of us because it's true. The, it's, it's rarely simple. The things that we're struggling with right now as humans are incredibly complicated because there's, at you, as you said, there's the, the whole fast-paced digital world that we're in that expects things to happen like this. There's resources and, and trying to find a way to create a container where you're living the life that you want to live and be able to do what you want for your children and for your life. And it's super challenging. Right. And then the internet presents hashtag authenticity and all these people saying, well, you can just get into this space and live the life you want. And you see this and it's like this, this tease. And I know the work goes much deeper than this. And I, I see that and I kind of giggle because of course there's a ton of work under those overnight successes as there always has been. Always. So, yeah. So talking to somebody who's in this space, talking to somebody like me, where, besides getting clear on intention and keeping your sense of humor, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned you have some new tools and I'm very intrigued by your new tool set because you are the tool master. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely love creating practical ways for people to, to really engage in their life in a real way. Warrior Goddess has been translated into 15 languages and it has been sold throughout the world. So I know this is not a uniquely American problem. This is something that's happening globally. And with your experience in confronting this both inside yourself, which I know you've done, and as a teacher, where does one begin to unravel this? Where's the the loose thread to start unweaving this? You start anywhere because it's all connected. It's all connected. And that what I found really helpful is to create, keep creating spaciousness between the thoughts and the stories. So our stories have a tendency to congeal into this big blob and it just looks impossible. We don't know how to unravel it. So to start to really separate out the different pieces is really helpful. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what the new practice that I created is around. It's called the warrior heart practice. And it's really specifically to help people get out of story and into truth. The story is what keeps us trapped and keeps us feeling underwater, stuck, confused, triggered. That's all the story. And so what I found is that we, we, what works is to start with what am I feeling? So if you have a problem that you're working on, someplace that you're stuck, to ask yourself, what am I feeling that's separate from the story? So basically the warrior heart practice has four chambers and the first chamber is the feeling chamber. And what we're learning to do is separate out each of the chambers so that we can attend to each of them separately. And that helps the unraveling process. And that what most of us spend a great deal of time on is avoiding our feelings, is avoiding our emotional body or trying to control it or trying to fix it. And so to learn how to just sit and feel what you're feeling without telling yourself why you're feeling it or telling yourself you shouldn't be feeling it or telling yourself it's somebody else's fault that you're feeling it, but to just name what you're feeling. 
is the first step. So to get quiet, to sit. And what you'll notice is that the mind wants to come in and tell you why you're feeling or, you know, it's going to want to come in. You just have to kind of push it aside and go, thank you so much. We'll attend to you in a moment. What am I feeling? And you, you scan your body. And, and what's really helpful is to physically name my stomach is tight. I feel a little nauseous. I feel like I want to punch somebody. Whatever the feeling sense in the body, just be with that and just breathe. And you're not trying to fix the feelings. Okay. In, the, in that first feeling chamber, you're just being with the feelings, period. Not trying to fix or change, just sitting with them. And then you go to the second chamber, which is the story chamber, which is where you give yourself permission to, to be honest about what you're telling yourself. And so it's really important not to spiritualize this or make it better, which sometimes people try to do, but to just go in. Where are you judging yourself? Where are you judging the other person? Where do you feel helpless? Where do you feel scared? What is, what's going on? What's the story that you're telling yourself? And it's often incredibly enlightening. And if you're willing to stay with it, often there's a, there's a deeper story that's going on that you don't catch if you just look at the surface. And I'll, I'll share a really intimate experience I had around this that I was like, this thing, this works. If I could get myself to this. <laughs> Uh, so then the third chamber is the truth, the, th the truth chamber. And, and if you think about the heart, the port heart has four chambers. They're all important. And so each of these chambers is important. And I think that there's a line between the story and the truth. You have to be willing to step into the truth. And what most of us do is write a better story and say it's the truth. No, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how do you know when something is the truth? Yes. That. It's super simple. Super, super simple. It's not, it's usually no, not more than one sentence. And there's a feeling of relaxation in the body. Even if you don't like the truth, your body will be like, yes, that's true. And then the last chamber is your intent. What is your intent or what's your focus in this situation? Where do you want to put your energy? And so you get clear about that one word. And this is where the magic happens is you go back through the chambers now. So now you have your intent, you have whatever that word is, you step back into the truth and see if there's anything else that's true that you ha maybe hadn't seen before. And then the vision I always have is you hold one hand with your intent, one hand with the, your truth, and you walk back into the story chamber to see what do you wanna do with this story? Because now you're witnessing it and now you have more capacity to start to untangle it. And then you always end back in the feeling chamber because you want to go back to what am I, what's going on in my body? What am I feeling? So you anchor it into the nonverbal. And sometimes you feel relieved, you feel better. Sometimes you don't. Doesn't mean it unravels immediately, but you'll be in touch with what's going on for you, which is so important and valuable. So feeling, story, truth, and intent. And progressing through those in a pattern so that you can find what's underneath what's going on. I love this idea. I'm still confused about how to do that for myself and then take that with me into those conversations we were talking about earlier. I, I can see how that would give me a grounded sense of calm where I'm not triggered and I can come forward with some information and some sharing, but I, I can't be attached to whether or not that's received or understood. Exactly. And so that would be one of the things you get to run through the chambers as well. 
How does it feel to not be understood or heard? Ugh, it feels awful. It feels awful. So that's what you sit with. You sit with that horrible, awful, I'm not being heard. I'm not being received. I'm not being respected, like whatever it is. And then you go to the story and see what the story is. And it's, it's going to be something deeper. Interesting. Yeah. And the empathetic part of me then wants to mirror that. And I see the frustration in my partner and my husband mm -hmm. when he feels like he's not being seen or heard or received or appreciated. And, you know, that that's a tangent. It's a, a, a side stream where I try and say, well, no, I do hear what you're saying. This is what I hear you saying. And that just complicates everything. So I like the idea of simplifying down into one thing at a time, because yeah. unlike a smartphone, I don't want 17 apps open at once. Exactly. You want to <laughs> drill down and focus on one to untangle that, knowing they're all connected. They're really all connected. And my experience with the chambers is I, you know, really briefly, I was in relationship with someone, for, a friend of mine for a couple of years, and we were talking about dating mm -hmm. and we were really intimate, really emotionally close. And like, I did something I'd never done, which like, I got to know somebody <laughs> and, and there were reasons why we were choosing not to get into relationship, but it was really a beautiful friendship. Mm -hmm. And one day I decided I'm in, like, I want to make a go of this. And so I was so excited to tell him, he shows up at a workshop that I'm doing and basically says, I'm out. Ah. And then I get to teach him as he falls in love with somebody else over the next week. So I get to watch him fall in love with somebody else. And to say it was challenging is an understatement because I also have a history that got totally twanged by this as well. So there was a day that we were all going someplace and I said to him, Hey, can we spend some time together? And he looks at this other woman and is like, no, I have, I'm already busy. And it was just like this knife in my heart. So they go off together and I'm like, all right, go to your room. And I call the chambers practice, go to your room. So I sat myself down and I'm like, what are you feeling? What's going on, sweetheart? And immediately I was, I'm disappointed. I'm sad. So I just sat with it. What does disappointment feel like? Where is it in my body? And then the story was, there was all sorts of stuff in the story. Like, you know, I can't believe I put so much energy into this person and this always happens and people are always falling in love with older women and I'm getting old and I'll probably never have a partner again. And da, da, da. I mean, it just went on and on. So, but I let myself go like to whatever my mind was telling me. And then I went to the truth. And what I got pretty quickly was he has a right to choose. Mm -hmm period. He gets to choose who he wants to partner with, mm -hmm. period. I respect that. And that was half of the story. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, the lights went off. And I was like, I get to choose. That is also true. And when I went to the intent, then I was like, I get to choose how I'm going to be in relationship with this. I want to do this differently because I had done a similar situation and not done it well. So I was like, I want to learn how to unconditionally love through this situation. How do I show up with myself in the situation, not drop myself and not project. And, and so going back through the chambers was just this really beautiful unweaving of the story and this feeling like what I got was, oh my God, the universe loves me so much. It's giving me a PhD in letting go. <laughs> and that's why we did the story, right? Instead of the universe hates me, I'm too old. It was like, I get to try this again. Right. And it was beautiful and it was hard. It's very hard. I, I feel like 
the more you learn, the harder the lessons get. I think that's really true. And it can be really true. And that's, that's a, it's a silver lining of sorts, but it's also, um, it's also a recognition of where you are, where I am in the process of getting closer to actually that inner revolution. Exactly. Exactly. So ironically, you know, I've, I've named my podcast, the one wheel, one world podcast. And I told you about the one wheels, right? Yes. And they're all about revolution. Love it. It's the visceral for me. It's a feeling sense that, that sense of snowboarding or surfing or actually having this physical device where I can go out and put my body in the state of flow. And from there I can find what am I feeling? Beautiful. Yes. So, yeah. Anyhow, that is excellent advice. And thank you for sharing your story. I, uh, one of the things I've always loved about you as a teacher is your honesty about your own path and your lack of pretension. You are not a teacher that sits on the mountain and says, I know, and you don't. You're like, no, I don't know. And this is what I learned. So I appreciate that so much about you. Where can people go to find out more about you and your work and participate in your workshops? I know I've been sharing things on Instagram that you've posted, and I've been sharing things on Facebook here and there. I also, uh, I also know that LinkedIn is becoming a place where this conversation is arising. And so what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and your work? Best way is my website, heatherashamara.com. It's a great place for, and the Facebook posts or the Instagrams there, like everything's connected off of the website. So that's a good place to great. start. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Is there anything that you'd like to say to sort of wrap this up? For all of us to remember that we're all on a journey, and I believe we're all on this journey together, and that there's no better or worse or comparison to really stay with where you're at on your journey and to love where you are in the journey. And that's not always easy. And that's how we learn to not abandon ourselves, where we're willing to say, I'm right here. Hey, sweetheart. All right. I'm with you. Let's keep working this out. Awesome. Thank you so much. Our show today was produced by the folks at Melicity Marketing. Music once again by Todd Waller of Omniverse. And I hope as you leave this show today that you are feeling like you can do this thing. You can really step into being who you are and may your actions make the world a better place by doing so. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.